If your budget's been tight lately, InfoTrack's Roy Mackey has an interview that's going to save you money. Roy? Thanks, Chris. We're joined by Jeff Yeager. He's the author of a book called The Ultimate Cheapskates Roadmap to True Riches, and he's here to spread his thrifty gospel. I think you may have a little different definition than most folks, so just what constitutes being cheap in your book? Yeah, you know, I do, and I'm sort of trying to redefine the term cheap and being a cheapskate. To me, being a cheapskate is the polar opposite of being a conspicuous consumer. We cheapskates are folks who are happy, in fact, happiest when we spend and consume less. We're too proud and self-confident and, frankly, too smart to let advertisers and other people tell us that we need things that we really don't. Now, can you point to one particular thing in your past that somehow made you into what you are, a proud cheapskate? I come from a long line of noble misers. I, <laughs> in fact, the Jaeger family crest bears the Latin inscription Spartaca Homo Erectus, which is cheapskate who stands on two feet. <laughs> now, we're going to get to some of the more normal, practical suggestions you have in a minute, but I understand you do a few things that most people might consider mm, a little extreme. Yeah, and keep in mind, this is sort of taking cheapskate to trophy sport for me. <laughs> but uh, recanting wine, I recant my wine as opposed to decant my wine, which means I take box wine and funnel it into premium label bottles I keep on hand for when I entertain. <laughs> uh, so I serve it to my guests, and you know what? They ooh and ah about what a wonderful bottle of wine it is when, in fact, it's just box wine in a high-priced bottle. And no one has caught wind of this. No, well, of course, now I've written a book talking about it, so my secret may not be safe. But I do other things. I do a lot of experiments here in the Cheapskate Lab. Um, I don't run my dishwasher often, but when I do run it, I try to run it before breakfast. And, you know, if you stick a couple of raw eggs in their shells, of course, in the dishwasher, it'll cook those eggs, soft-boil them, along with your dishes. Now, you do have some real strategies for saving money that are pretty interesting. Let's touch on a few of those. One of the things you say is live within your means at age 30 and stay there. Why don't you explain that? Well, it has to do with deciding what enough is for you and establishing a sort of permanent standard of living. And that title, which you quoted correctly from the book, is a little misleading. I'm not saying that everybody ought to decide to live within their means at age 30, for instance, or at X number of dollars. But everybody ought to answer this question of what's enough money and stuff for you? What's the goal in question? And in my life, I decided that age 30, I was perfectly comfortable and I wouldn't experience any net gain in happiness if I continued to spend more than I was at age 30, adjusted for inflation, of course. So I sort of established that as my permanent standard of living, and I banked what I went on later in my career to earn you know, more than I was at age 30. Banked that difference, which essentially allowed my wife and me, when we were in our late 40s, to essentially retire or become, as I like to say, selfishly employed and able to do whatever you like for a living. A lot of financial gurus point out how life's little expenses, like that daily cup of $4 coffee, can make a huge difference and they really add up. You say forget that and focus on life's mega expenses. Yeah, I rail against the so-called latte factory. Keep in mind that that's the advice we've been getting during this period of record debt. We're the first generation since the Depression to have a negative savings rate. Mm -hmm. But here's the good news. I mean, there are a few major money expenditures in everybody's life, like housing and transportation and entertainment, technology, and so on. You have to make decisions in those areas no matter what. And if you make even one or two prudent decisions in even one or two areas, it can really, genuinely set you on a new relationship and a freer relationship with money. You also suggest that folks do something called fiscal fasting. Tell us about that. I like to take a week or two out of every year where I simply do not spend 
any money. And you know, it does three things. One, during that week of fiscal fasting, you're going to save some money. Secondly, it's going to really show you how, in a normal week, you spend and probably waste money. And third, and I think most important, it's going to make you realize for at least one week a year that there are so many terrific things in life that don't cost a nickel. I understand that a lot of these changes do have a lot of other benefits in addition to just saving money, so tell us about that. I don't view any of this to be about sacrifices. I view it to be about choices, largely a choice between earning money to spend money to get what we want versus skipping that money step and sort of regaining our time by spending and consuming less. I believe that for many Americans at this point in time, the quality of their lives and their level of happiness will actually increase if they spend and consume less. Jeff Yeager, the author of a book called The Ultimate Cheapskates Roadmap to True Riches. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, stay cheap. For InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. That'll do it for this edition of InfoTrack. To learn more about this or previous InfoTrack shows and guests, visit us online at TalkZone.com. Internet services provided by Pear.com. The executive producer of InfoTrack is Randy Meyer. I'm Chris Whitting. Thanks for listening. From all of us at InfoTrack.